We're going to take we're going to take some time. I've I've uh, I've asked uh, the overseers and also um, a couple others to uh, share for like uh, seven minutes each. <laughs> and uh, there's a clock back there, so we can time them. And uh, you know this is uh, this has been a long time in coming. So we kind of like we're working our way from you know back all the way up to. Uh, those that have been here the longest kind of thing. And so uh, without further ado, let's start with Norman. Norman has some things. He's been real involved in this whole process, and he wanted to share some things, and then uh, and then we'll go from there, okay? And, and one thing I want to mention now, because I won't mention it later, is that Barbara is going to share, and she's going to speak on behalf of Bill and herself, right? Did I say the English right? Okay. I actually think he's doing it in order of, of height. That's good? Okay. Uh, I'm very excited to really be telling the story of how we got into this building because I, I think it's a, um, you know, it's a real showing of God's grace and uh, it's a real testimony to his power. Um, about a month ago or so, I... I led off with a, um, a little thing up here, and, and um, my wife had found a Bible verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, and I, I, I think it's so, so relevant uh, that, that we should uh, say it once more. Uh, and, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And I, I, I think that really hits home here. Uh, it's, it's really what we, we do. It's, it's what we are as, as a church. Uh, and, you know, to give everyone a fair time, uh, I'm just going to hit the real high, high points. But there'll be more in, in the newsletter that'll be coming out later. Uh, so you can, you, you, you can read up more on this. Uh, you know, in, in coming to this building, we, we jumped a lot of hurdles. And uh, one of them was just finding a, a building. And as as you know, you know, to find the right place, the right neighborhood, the right parking, the right size, the right price, it's, it's hard. And, um, you know, this one place seemed to have all those elements. Uh, but even then, you know, when we first found it, uh, you know, there's a lot of land here, the building's big, uh, you know, and the price was, was, was a little high. And it was, it was worth the price, it was worth what they were asking, it was actually worth more than they were asking. But we ended up going back to them and offering them less money, you know. And, and we said, look, we're going to give you our best offer, and that's what we have. And they actually got back to us within 12 hours and said, okay, just like that, you know. And uh, that doesn't usually happen, you know. They'll say, well, we'll hold out, you know. We'll see. Maybe somebody wants to use this for office space, you know. And uh, you get a highway. There's Quonset Point. It could be worth a whole lot more money. But they didn't. They took our offer as the best offer without any holdup, you know. And, and then things happened like, um, you know, they, the building had been let, let, let go for a little bit and uh, it needed a, a whole lot of work. And, um, you know, we went back to them and we said, you know, this, this is costing a, lot, a ton of money to get this, you know, up to where it should be, where it needs to be to meet codes and all these other things. And, and they, 
said, you know what, after the closing, we'll have some money, we will help you. You know, and they, they could have said, hey, as is, you know, take it or leave it. We gave you a great deal. See you later. But they didn't. They said, we will help you. You know, and the, the, all these things just kept happening like this. Uh, you know, we found an old oil tank buried, and it was, it was full of water. And we're like, oh, it's leaking. So the, the ground could be full of oil, you know. And the tank came out. They did the soil samples. And we're thinking, well, how much soil we're going to have to remove and hazardous waste. And it comes back clean. No cleanup. I mean, that never happens. Those things just don't happen, you know? And, um, you know, there's, there's a few bodies of water over here. And they said, hey, you know, the bank said, you're going to need flood insurance. And, and uh, you know, we went back and forth and back and forth. And fl flood insurance is hard to get. It's expensive. It can take months because they do all these studies. And, and then all of a sudden, after like a week, the bank comes back and says, eh, we've changed our mind. You, you, you won't need the flood insurance. You know, I, I mean, there's just dozens of these things that happen the whole time. And, um, you know, and, and even getting to the banking, I mean, you know, here we are in really a banking crisis, okay? And here we are coming along trying to borrow money. And the whole time we were doing this, which was from like last July to now, the banking situation was getting worse and worse and worse. And, you know, it took a lot of faith, a lot of praise just to even think that we're going to be able to keep this going, you know, and, uh, you know, the banks were, were folding around us, FDIC's jumping in, there's bailout, the Treasury, all these things are going on, and, and right at the peak, when, the, when Congress rejected the bailout, when you thought things were really going to collapse, that same day that they did that, the bank sent an image of, of a letter committing to our loan, that same day. And I, honestly, I, I opened the image, I looked at it, and I just looked up, and I, I, it was like, wow. What, the, you know, I'm, I'm thinking it's, you know, going to say, dear, 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 dear John, you know, it's over. Right? And, uh, you know, uh, it, it's a commitment, you know. And, um, and uh, then I'm reading the letter, and it's got a really good rate, you know, and the terms are really favorable. And I've got tons of clients who aren't getting these kind of terms. You know, and, and here we are getting the best rate, the best terms. You know, they're allowing us to keep our budget intact. They're not asking us for, uh, there's this cushion that they, they have on, on loans where they call it's, 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 it's coverage on the, on the payments. They didn't make us have this, you know, double the payment cushion built into our budget. You know, they let us be who we are. And, and all these things were just happening, you know, and... Um, Really, that loan shouldn't happen. If you think about it, General Motors right now can't borrow money. Citicorp can't borrow money. Uh, and here we are, Calvary Chapel, with no history, no previous building, no... <laughs> Calvary Chapel's borrowing money, you know? And, <laughs> it, it's just, the whole thing is the shock. So then, you know, you might say, well, you know, wow, uh, you know, if... God has his power, why, you know, why would you even find a building in a bad time instead of a good time? But that's the real power of God, you see, because if this were a good time, there would be a lot more buyers, a lot more options. Maybe the seller would have said, you know, we can get a lot more money. But in the bad time, it was, you know what, this, you know, it's time to move forward. And, and it's actually the bad time that allowed us to get in here. I, I, I truly feel that. And, you know, even like doing some of the work, you know, if the roof needed work, 
The contractors were there. They got here quickly. They gave us a, a fair price. You know, if we had done this two years ago, it would take six months to get some, someone here to, to, to work on the roof. But now they're coming quickly. They're coming here in a week. You know, and um, so, you know, people say, well, the Lord works in, the, the Lord works in mysterious ways. But I don't think it's, it's all that strange, you know, because um, if you think about it, God in, in one sweep of his hand accomplished three or four things all in one shot, you know. It, it kept this building as, as a, a church. It didn't become office space and it didn't be, become a strip mall. It stayed a church. And at the same time, we found a home. And at the same time, the seller gently got out of a building that was too big for them. All that happened in one shot. And that's, that's the power of God. That's where we think we're smart because we're two steps ahead, you know. God's thinking ahead forever. And, and uh, that's, that kind of power is, is what we have seen, you know. We, we, we see these things and, and, and it all comes together and, and gets us in, in this place. And we don't always understand that all these other things are happening that we don't even uh, know are happening. But the real story is it's, it's not really about a building. It's, it's really about what blesses us as a church, you know, and we, all, we really all play a vital part in this. Uh, some of us can give more money than others, and some have a special trade or a skill that they can lend, you know, or some of us uh, may have know-how or some kind of knowledge, or some of us can freely give our time and come here and, and clean up or move things. You know, all those different things are what make us a church. And if, if all of us only gave one of those kinds of things, it wouldn't work. It's the fact that each of us give a little something different, and all that come, comes together. Uh, so, you know, I go back, and, you know, God gives us the grace, and, and we abound in his work. And, um, you know, that's, that's what really makes us the church that, 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 that we are. And, you know, every time I tell people how many volunteers we have and how many people step up they're always saying well well that's inspiring that's amazing because you don't see it you know that just doesn't happen often uh so it's it, you know it's that closeness it's the giving that's what makes us the church that that the, the church family that, that 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 we are and it makes coming here worth the trip thank you I got picked first, second, actually. My security blanket. I'd like to talk to you this morning about seven houses in seven minutes. The first is my house. Ten years ago, my wife and I bought a house in Cranston. It was a fairly good-sized house uh, with a decent-sized yard for the being in the city, and it was at a really good price problem was it was a fixer-upper, you know, and use a little TLC. Well, 10 years later, my house is still a fixer-upper. <laughs> it needs more than TLC. It actually needs life support, a direct transfusion from my, of my time every single day. So when I, walked, when I first walked into this church, I said to Rich, wow, this is great. But in my mind, I thought, Oh no, I have a fixer-upper house. Now I go to a fixer-upper church. 
I said, this is really big. But I thought, fixing this thing's going to be like trying to paint an aircraft carrier with an itty bitty paintbrush. Those, but what I hadn't really considered was the exponential side of what happens when a whole bunch of people get together and start to work and things start to get done and the more things get done, the more people work and the more things get done until in a very short period of time, it's, a lot has been accomplished. Some of you that are old enough to remember, remember the, uh, might remember back in the 70s there was a documentary on mysterious places around the world called Chariots of the Gods. And they, they entertain the question of, how did the ancients build the pyramids? How did they carve those megaliths on Easter Island? They didn't have the technology. Surely they couldn't have done it themselves. They must have had help from aliens. <laughs> now, it's just a whole bunch of people get together and they work really hard and they get things done that seem impossible, right? When Solomon dedicated the, was dead at the dedication of the first temple, Solomon said that people from all around the world will hear of God's glory and of his temple and of his presence at his temple and of his blessings on his people, and they will come and they'll worship him. So salvation in the Old Testament came not by the people of God going out and telling the world about, you know, God and his temple but just by the people living in their, at their religious center for God, obeying God, being blessed by God, and the world would see that and they would be drawn to him. But the people didn't obey God. <clears throat> and as a result, they went into captivity in Babylon. When they returned, they started to rebuild their temple again, to try to rebuild that life that they once had and do it right this time. When they laid the foundation of the temple, or the basic outside structure of the temple, the Bible says that the people rejoiced. But the old people that remembered the first temple wept. Because they remembered the great glory of the first temple, and the gilded gold, and just how wonderful it was, and how much, in their minds, it represented the presence of God and the glory of God. And this wasn't it. Perhaps they were thinking of Ezekiel's prophecies of a latter-day temple that, that, that would far exceed the glory of the first, but this wasn't it. What they didn't know and what they couldn't know was that prophecy would not be fulfilled until the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem, walked into the temple, overturned the tables of the money changers, and when they said, by what authority do you do this? Show us a sign. He said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And at that point, he declared himself to be the glorious temple, the fulfillment of the prophecies. So salvation came not by a temple made with hands, but through the Lord who said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. So we are the extension of Jesus, his body. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. God lives in us. And our job is not so much to draw people to a religious center, but to go out from the center and point people to 
the one who is drawing them to himself. So may this church, this religious center, this place be a base, be a center from which we work to fulfill our mission through God's help to care for the lost, to seek the young, to heal the injured, and to feed the healthy until we go to be with him in his house. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the blessing of a place uh, here to do your work. God, we are your temples. Lord, we ask that you'd fill us, empower us, give us the talents, the abilities, the whatever it is that is needed, Lord, to be your body, to represent you, uh, to to on earth, Lord, and to serve you in the way that you would have us serve you, Lord. We look to you in ourselves, and of ourselves we have nothing, God. We say we care, but we don't care. We say we love, but we don't love. But by your strength and your power, Lord, you promise to make us a people zealous of good works. And Lord, we ask for your blessing, for your help, that we might Fulfill your purpose and do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. So I get to go third after that. That's pretty good. Thanks, John. <laughs> you know, we've just, uh, over the past few months, gone through the book of Numbers. And I think we're finished. Yeah. We're finished with numbers? Um, could be. Uh, and it's, it's been interesting to see how our travels, our wandering over the past 20 years or so, uh, has paralleled uh, the people coming out of Egypt and wandering. And God brings them to each place, and there's something that happens in each place. And God has always provided us with a place to be. And um, after the book of Numbers uh, comes uh, Deuteronomy, which is the second law. It's basically Moses, before he dies, giving his last civics lesson and uh, law class and, and uh, morality class and, and just going over everything that God has given him for this people to, to govern this people as they go in. And he just goes back and reminds them, he gives them a history lesson, and he tells them to remember. Remember the things that God has done. Remember where you came from. Remember how he sustained you in the desert all those years, how your clothes didn't wear out, how your feet didn't get swollen, so that when you go into this new place that I'm giving you, you'll be encouraged, and you won't forget your God. When you eat and are satisfied, you won't think that it was the work of your own hands that did it. But it was, the God, it was the work of God who enables us to accomplish things, to provide for ourselves. 
And I just think it's, it's really important for us to remember where we came from and all the things that God has done for us to get us to this place. This is not the promised land. This is just the next place, a place that we can use as a base to, to go out into the community, sort of a base camp, if you will, that we can use for so many different ways. It's also the place that God has appointed for us to worship him, to learn about him, to remember him, which is such an important part of, of our fellowship when we come together and, and have communion, to remember what he's done for us on the cross. After this lesson, Moses dies and is buried uh, by the hand of God, and the Israelites go into the promised land. We, we looked at that last week. The first thing that they do in the promised land is rededicate themselves to the Lord. All the, all the men who had been born in the desert were circumcised, and the covenant that was given to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob was recommitted. They recommitted themselves to the Lord and devoted themselves again to the Lord, their God, our God. And I just encourage each of us, as we begin this new journey, from this place, that we would devote ourselves again, as we do frequently when we, when we take the Lord's Supper. Um, and then right after that, does anybody remember what happened next? The first thing that they encountered? Jericho. The pastor got it. <laughs> they came up against a walled city, a fortified city. And... God wanted to continue to show his strength on their behalf. Now, they had just fought two major battles against the kings Sion and Og and were greatly victorious. But he called them to do it in a different way, to just go and show themselves for six days and march around and just be silent. And then on the seventh day, they were to shout great shouts and the trumpet, at the sound of the trumpet blast. And that's what brought down the walls at that time. And it's my prayer for this place that in this community our shouts of joy to the Lord would be heard and that it would bring down walls, that hearts would be melted. The people within the city, Rahab's testimony was that their hearts were melting within them because they had seen what the Lord had done among the people of Israel as he kept them as they wandered through the desert as he gave them great victories and these people all around us throughout this community throughout the state they watch us at our jobs at our homes in our neighborhoods and they're afraid of God because they carry guilt and we want to be the people that can minister to them with mercy and grace and the love that God has given us we just want to show that to them that the walls in their hearts and their lives would be torn down, the addictions, uh, the broken marriages. We want, the, we want to be able to be a place of healing. And we just, first of all, we need to remember what God has done and, and just rededicate ourselves to him, and he will accomplish the tearing down of the walls and bring the great victories for us in the future. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for bringing us to this place, for allowing us to call you Father, to be your children, to be your people. 
Thank you for keeping us and blessing us every step of the way, every building that we've ever met in. Lord, I just remember summers where the Sunday school didn't have any place to meet. And they had to meet outside on the lawn, Lord, and you provided sunshine every Sunday, all summer long. Just thank you so much. Father, we, we want to dedicate ourselves to you, to the covenant that you have made to us through the blood of your son, Jesus. We confess that we are sinful people, and it's only by you and your gift of repentance that we can come to you, that you see us as righteous through the blood of your son, Lord. And we give you this place. We ask that you would make it a place like Jesus talked about in his parables, Lord. A place where a Samaritan can bring someone who's been beaten and battered and passed over by those who claim to be religious, where they can find healing. Father, we pray that this would be a place where our prodigals can return and find grace and mercy and love and acceptance and forgiveness. Father, we pray that you would pour out your oil for us in this place. It would be a place where we come to, to buy oil, that our lamps would burn brightly, Lord. A place where we wait for your return. We thank you for providing us this place, Lord. And we most especially are grateful for the hope that you have given us in the promise that you have gone to prepare a new place for us, that where you are, we may be also. We pray in Jesus' name and by his love and character. Amen. This is getting, like, hard. These guys are good. You know, I came up here this morning thinking, wow, you guys like this? You know? Um, I, I want to start by just thanking everybody who came out and, and did all this work. And, and for those of you who couldn't, that's okay, because God provided exactly what was needed. So I don't want anyone to feel any guilt about thinking, well, you know, I really wanted to go, but I couldn't make it. God knew who was going to be here and what was needed, and exactly what was needed is exactly what was done. So God is good, as Norman said, and everybody's saying it's just like amazing to see what he can do, and it's just so neat to be here today. So, so as Jesus was sitting before the Pharisees, they asked him, what's the greatest command? Anybody remember what that is? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So this is who we are, you know. Um, we want to love the Lord with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind. And God's given us this place to reach out to the community. Love your neighbor. we got lots of neighbors now. Neighbors we never thought we were going to have, you know. We were here, we were there. And we could reach out to those folks around there, but, but like, this is a place where he's planting us and saying, you know, love the neighbors here. Go out, do it, you know. So I'm excited about something like Christmas Eve, the caroling, you know, going out into this community and letting them know, hey, we're here because we love God 
and more importantly, God loves you and we love you. And we just want you to be part of the family. So many of you might know that we're going through First uh, Peter in a study that happens every other, well, first and third Tuesdays of the month. Um, and there's lots of things that are going on in that book. And for some reason, this book just really speaks to my heart. It's like one of my favorite books. And at the end of the last chapter, Peter writes, he says, and he's writing to believers here. He says, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. And that's what we want to do here. We just want to stand fast in the true grace of God. You know, what is it all about? So as we stand here this morning, part of this fellowship, I've been here and my wife has been here. Has it been the same amount of years, son? <laughs> it's been a lot of years. I started to think about it, and I said, wow, you know, it's at least 13 years. It's probably a little bit more, and I couldn't believe how long it's been that we've been here. And we've been on this little traveling show with Rich and Paula and a lot of you guys. And um, it's hard to believe that we're here, but it's more important. It's hard to believe all the work that God's done in these different places and over all these years seeing the hand of God working in a lot of people's life. Stand fast in the grace of God. In chapter 2 in 1 Peter, it tells us, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, I, and by his wounds, you are healed. The true grace of God. What's the definition of grace? Anybody remember what Rich teaches us and says it right in the Word of God? I'm sorry? God's riches at, God, at Christ's expense, something we don't deserve. You know, do we deserve this? You know, we've really done nothing to earn this, but we're here. God provided it. It's, it's, just, it's just interesting. I love the fact that as we all sit out here, we can't ignore the cross up there, you know. There's crosses in a lot of churches, but, I mean, as long as we don't stop flashing the light, you know. Yeah, but... <laughs> But it's the cross, it's the grace that God's given us up there. It's a large cross, and we can't miss it. God's provided this building for us, but first and foremost, he's provided eternal life, the true grace of God, Jesus Christ on the cross. In uh, chapter 3 in 1 Peter, he begins, he says, finally. So it's like a rich sermon, you know. Right in the middle of the book, he says, finally. You know, he says finally a lot, but then like a half an hour later, he's still going. But, but, but finally, he says, here we are. Finally, we have a building. Finally, we have a home. After all that's said and done, finally, after our faith is in our hearts and we can understand it, finally, after the cross provided eternal life for us, finally, all of you, all of us, we're continuing on this journey together in this life, this family of God. As we continue here in this building, finally all of us, he says, live in harmony with one another. Now, you might say, well, we're a bunch of Christians. You know, hey, we've got to live in harmony. You know, we kill each other sometimes. You know, but God calls us after everything's said and done. He says, finally, now that you have me in your heart, finally, now that you know what I'm all about, live in harmony with one another. Okay, we're here. We're planted here now. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that there's however many people here, I think we can get probably almost that many ideas as to what we're supposed to do with the windows and 
the new fancy floor that we have here. And whatever it might be, there's going to be lots of opinions. But God says, whatever those opinions are, work them out amongst yourself. Live in harmony. You know, the cross paid the price. I'm providing this home for you. Don't get, like, all antsy over stupid things. Live in harmony with one another. And from there, as we go into the community, he says, live in harmony. Be sympathetic. You know, sympathy goes a long way, trying to really understand what someone else is feeling or going through. Sympathy is allowing Jesus and the love of God to flow through your heart to understand someone else's pain, not just see it and mentally understand it, but to have that sympathy in your heart that Christ has for everybody who's out there, everybody who's in this community who just needs so much, who needs the Lord so badly. Be sympathetic. Love is brothers. Well, I have three boys, but... I guess we should love his brothers, brothers in Christ, you know, <laughs> not brothers breaking beds in the house. <laughs> Be compassionate and humble. You know, we need to put ourselves low. We need to look at the needs that are in this community, the needs of our family here amongst us, and put those needs first and put our second or even lower, put them last. Live in harmony with one another. Do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult. The evil for evil is sometimes easy. The insult for insult, not quite so easy. But God calls us to these things. As I stand here today, part of this family, I mean, I just love family. I don't know if all of you know me all that well, but family is very important to me. And being part of this family is very important to me. I'm just so amazed of what God's taken me through over these past 13 to however many years. But more importantly, I'm so excited that now that we're here, there's 13 or 20 or 30 or however many years God has for me and for each one of you as to what he's going to do from here on out. So we need to make good use of every opportunity. So I want to end here with what most of you know is like one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible, and it's in First Peter, believe it or not. In chapter 4, it starts at verse 8. It says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. We sin. It's just us. But if we love each other with God's love, we can cover those things up and, and live in harmony with one another. He goes on and he says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one, this is the favorite part here, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. God's grace goes a long way, and he gives us the blessing and the honor to give it out. It's like it's his, and, you know, we're also like, hyped up about God and all that he does in our lives. But he says, you know what? I'm going to give you this opportunity to share in another's life and just bless their socks off. And, and in return, when that happens and we're faithful to do it, believe me, there's nothing else like it. Peter writes to us, this is the true grace of God. Here we are in this building, in this community. Stand fast in it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you love us so much, God. I thank you, God, that in spite of the fact that we make so many mistakes, Lord, that we just mess it up, we, we try, we start in your grace, Lord, and then we go on our own way, and then we come back. But when the bottom line comes, Lord, you just love us and you provide so much for us, God. So we thank you for this place, Lord. We pray, God, that you would uh, just bless this place, Lord, that you would bless this community, God, and that you would give us 
2020 vision here, Lord, no glasses needed, God, that we would see the needs of this community and that we wouldn't be afraid to go out and serve you by serving them. So we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this place. And I thank you, God, that I have this family. In Jesus' name, amen. Next time I'm going first. <laughs> this, is, this is tough. This is hard. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about you know what I, what I wanted to share today, and actually uh, just have a lot of memories. Uh, you know, Annie and I have been coming to uh, Calvary Chapel for 15, 16 years or so. We're not exactly sure when we started coming, but I've got a lot of memories. As I think back, I remember uh, showing up at Rich's house when he lived over by the lake. You know, Ed Margarita had his pickup truck, and I in my van. Loading all the equipment into the trucks, bringing it to church, unloading it, bringing it in, setting it up, having church, packing it up, back in the trucks, back over to Rich's, back in the garage. And, you know, 16 years times 52 weeks, a lot of, a lot of setting up, a lot of work. And, you know, the, my memories of that are never hearing anybody complaining. You know, sometimes we'd say, you know, it'd be nice to have our own church, not to have to do this. And I'll tell you something, this is one of the worst places to bring equipment in. It was hard. I, I, want, I want that to stay there. But there was never any complaining about the work. People did it because they loved what they were doing. And there was great fellowship in the work. And although we won't have to do the equipment anymore, there's, there's work to be done here. But I saw that same spirit being carried out, getting this place in shape. It was only Thanksgiving weekend that work started on this building, and you should have seen it. It didn't look like this. And this carpet, this room, John was sanding the glue off this room, and it looked like a dust bowl in here. It was not a pretty sight. But everybody working, cleaning up the Sunday school rooms, that same labor of love is being transformed into this building. And there'll be plenty to do, and we'll be glad to do it. But, you know, I think back also on all the times uh, being involved uh, on the FAT team as we went to look at buildings. And uh, everyone we looked at, we had hopes. Maybe this is the one, but they, they just weren't, there was nothing there unless you had a million dollars. They were just terrible buildings. Great stories to think back on, fun to think about, but it was just building after building after building. It just, it got a little discouraging. It didn't break our will, but it was a little bit discouraging. So much so that there were times when Rich would call and say, I've got another building to look at. And I said, oh, yeah, great, let me know how it works out. <clears throat> and even on, even when he called man this one it was like okay I'll come see it because you just we get discouraged like I said it didn't break our will but it was just like there's just nothing out there and so we come to look at this place and I walked in and was like wow w would God really give us this and I have so many other related analogies of stories that we've experienced to relate to this that I don't have time to say but you know, for a minute we started thinking, you know, maybe it could work. And Norm did a fantastic job relating some of the miracles that God provided for us just to get us here. And um, we can look forward to uh, future miracles from God as he helps us because there's no one person that does it. We know that God gets all the glory. Uh, we know that, but uh, the Shakers have a great... Uh, phrase it's hand to work hands to work and hearts to God and we have a new work here 
And you know, when I had a vision, if you asked me in my mind what I would think about Calvary Chapel of the past, it was, it was a church on wheels. And we took advantage of that. We made good use of it. And we didn't complain, we did it, because it had to be done. But when I think about this building, in my mind, I have a vision. And there's two visions. One is of a lighthouse to light up the dark in this community, to go out and reach the neighborhood, but also to have our doors open so that people driving by will say, hey, you know what? There's something new going on there. Let's check it out. And the other vision I have is roots. When I see this building in my mind, I see roots going down through the basement, planted into the soil so that we can grow and have a future here. But as I said, there are many uh, hands to work, many hearts to God, a lot of prayers, a lot of tears, a lot of doubts. But it's God who did the work, and it's him that gets the glory. But there's one who was with us in the beginning, and to his blessing and our sadness, he's not here. <clears throat> but I just, I just want to thank uh, Bill Kinnaman. And uh, let's just pray. Father, we just thank you. <clears throat> we just can't outgive you. We try, but <laughs> you're just too good at it. <clears throat> and you've blessed us so much. And uh, Father, we just need your help <clears throat> to make this your house so that people can come here to worship, to study your word, to pray. So we ask for your blessing, your guidance, and your mercy as we look forward to our future until we can hear that call and you bring us all home to be together once again. And we give you the praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. asked me to speak on behalf of Bill. As Jim just said, Bill's not here. And many of you knew him. And I don't know if he were here today exactly what he would say, but I do know one thing. I know that the day that we came to look at this building, he would have walked into this empty, echoing sanctuary. He would have stood up here on this platform and he would have said in a loud voice, praise the Lord. I can't say it like he does, but that, that's what he would do. And in fact, we were at, uh, at, on the grounds at Tanglewood a few years ago, in October when the season was over, and Bill went up on that stage where all those famous conductors conducted all their famous symphony orchestras, and he proclaimed loudly, praise the Lord, and it echoed, reverberated off the rafters. If he were here today, he would say, praise the Lord. Because today is the culmination of years of ideas and opinions and plans and prayers and trekking around to all kinds of places to find a home for our church. And in the beginning, we had a tremendous amount of energy. We, we had a lot of optimism, and we were very naive in a lot of ways as well. I'm sure you would attest to that with me, Paula, <laughs> ideas that we had. And... Um, we could see possibilities in almost everything. And yet, in all of those wanderings around to these places, I don't remember Bill ever being inclined to say, praise the Lord. And so we kept looking. We debated. We debated the uh, merits of 
renting versus uh, owning. We debated the merits of pre-existing buildings versus building from scratch. We debated the merits of locations around the state. And we began to develop. We, we uh, began to be more selective about our preferences. We began to define and refine our preferences and needs. We became more individually adamant about our preferences and needs. And uh, we continued on. And yet, as we continued looking, nothing came of it. We, we looked at all, as Jim said, all kinds of places. We walked a piece of land, and we prayed over it. And nothing came of it, because the seller decided not to sell, was one reason. But there's others, but, but at that time, it seemed that way. Um, and no, nothing came of it. In fact, Bill and Rich talked a little bit one time about this particular uh, church group here that was dwindling, and could we make some kind of an arrangement with them, maybe to rent a piece of this building? And nothing came of it. And then in, I believe it was August 2005, Bill brought the morning message here. Not here, but in the other place. Brought the morning message. And I believe, if I'm correct, it was the next to last sermon that he ever preached because by February, as you know, he was gone. And uh, if he were here today, he would offer words of wisdom. He would offer words of encouragement. He would offer the benediction that I heard him over the years so often give. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and, and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. And he would pray. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for your many gifts. Your gifts are more in number than we can mention. You've given the gifts of grace and of mercy, of provision, of timing for this building you've given us. We thank you. We thank you that you have provided workers and helpers and teachers and, and, and our pastor and all of the things that we have here. And, and particularly meaningful is his church family and each one of us as we are together here and we reach out to one another. Thank you for these gifts. Thank you for all you've given, all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, for Bill, to the Lord, from us, praise, praise the, the Lord. Lord. Great, thank you. just asked me if I want to say anything. <clears throat> All those other people had warning. Um, I just want to say thank you for all the people that have stood with us. <sighs> We've been coming to this church for <laughs> 20 years, 22 years or something. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> But so many have been with us for so long, and I look out and I see you, and so long you have stood with us. <sighs> we have fought, and we have argued, and we have carried on like a family, and we have, Annie and I fight a lot. Um, um, 
We have held hands during some difficult times. There's so much that has made us who we are. And it's never been a building that's made us who we are. It's those hard times, those good times. It's been just being together has made us who we are. And we want to stay who we are. You know, last night we were talking about <coughs> some of the rooms downstairs that we want to use. And Richard was... The hallway looks horrible. And so he was like, you know, your women, they're not going to like that. They're not going to be, be able to deal with that mess down there. And I'm like, oh, dear, these women don't care. I know these women. They don't care. They'll paint it. They'll fix it, whatever. It doesn't matter. Because that's who we are. You know, when we have to pull it up, we just do it. And we don't care because it doesn't matter. It's never mattered, so it does, shouldn't matter now. Uh, some of us kind of like this floor. And I think moving in the way it is right now, it's true to who we are. You know, we got to stay true to who we are. And if we can't do this and we can't do that, it doesn't matter. We have to stay true to who we are and just use this place as, as a place to reach out. You know, and I came in here this morning and we've been having this joke because we come somewhere here, you know, at night sometimes and we come in the morning and Jim's always here every time we come. <laughs> We could, we didn't couldn't we got here at eight o'clock this morning and Jim was already here, um, so it's like you know it it's home and I came in this morning and it was just all quiet in here and it was dark and and the cross was up there and that one little light was on and it was just like it overwhelmed me just the light of God just shining in this place it just overwhelmed me just the power of God and I just started crying and it was just like kind of. I didn't expect it, you know, but it was it's about the cross. It started at the cross. It's always been about the cross, and we have to keep the cross in front of us and remember that and hang on to the cross and embrace it in our relationships with each other and in this place as we go out and as we work and do the things that need to be done. But let's just go forward in God's love and in his mercy and his grace and stay true to who we are and just carry on. Finally, you know, I got some notes here, scripture or two that I want to just read to you, but uh, thinking about Bill. Bill, Bill was the most encouraging man that I ever knew, and uh, after every church service, he would come and find me, and he would say, Something encouraging, even if it, even if he knew it was like a disaster, <laughs> he would pick something out and he would he would say it. But Bill, you know, he said, you know, find a piece of land. He said, find a place that's got like a that people can see, and on a you know on a busy place, you know, and and I tell you, it's. They call that road out there the Quonset Highway, but I think it should be called the Calvary Highway, don't you? Because 
because it's built right to this place and the exit's right there. I mean, it's like the exit was made for us. The Calvary exit. We should change the sign out there. Calvary exit. Calvary highway. But we, back in, uh, I don't know what year it was, we, we uh, met at the Knights at Columbus Hall. And somebody, you know, gave their skills and put together this simple banner that we, that we have up here. And uh, we've been carrying that around for a long time, long, long time. And it's really all about Jesus and about the cross. And it always has been and always will be. And we, someone, uh, someone said to me yesterday, where, where should we put this? And I said, we, it's got to be right there. It's, uh, you know, this is who we are. This is what we're, we're all about. A place of the cross, a place of safety. You know, the, we talked about the cities of refuge. And, and uh, a lot of these folks have talked about that, a place where people can come and find safety and protection and, and they can find life in Jesus. You know, it's a place of worship, a place of the word where the word is always taught. A place of fellowship. Acts 2.42 are one of our key verses. But I just want to read... Um, before we pray and close, we're actually, we're right on time. We're doing really well. In, uh, in the book of Haggai, uh, I talked last week about Ezra, and, and I want to continue that very quick study in Ezra in the next couple of weeks, uh, and then have some Christmas things in there as well. But uh, there were two prophets that were speaking from God during the time of Ezra. One of them was Haggai, the other one was Zechariah. And in the book of Haggai, it says this, says the Lord speaking through uh, the prophet Haggai, the Lord says, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. He says the same to us today, I believe. He says, I'm with you. Be strong and work. We've got a lot of work to do. But like I said last week, we, we need to settle in a little bit, let the dust settle a little bit, and, and we'll, we'll do it as and when we can. It's not going to be done in a, in a week or two weeks or whatever. And like Bob said, we need to just chill out a little bit and, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure out what kind of windows and carpet and all the rest of that kind of stuff. But the, later on in that chap, chapter of Haggai chapter 2 and verse 9, it says this, The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house says the Lord Almighty. John was talking about, you know, of course, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the temple. But, but I believe that God's going to do something special here too. Because he goes on to say this, the Lord Almighty says the Lord Almighty, and he says this, and in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. And I read that and I felt, you know, this is really, this is really what we want, for God to grant peace here. People can come and find peace with him, and peace with one another. If we can't have that, we don't have anything. A place of peace. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Let's pray together, shall we? 
God, we, <clears throat> we don't really know what to say. I mean, it's, it seems like it's, it's taken a long, long time, but it seems like it's happening so fast. And I, I, don't, I don't know how to, to understand all this and to make sense of it, but Lord, we surrender to you. We sing about it and we, we just want to surrender to you, Lord, and offer to you ourselves, first of all. Offer to you ourselves that you might take us and use us in this world to be lights and vessels for your glory. We offer to you this place, Lord, that it would be a, a place where you would be pleased to, to grant peace, where you would be pleased to send us out a camp, a base, we've heard, to send us out to, to take the light of Jesus, the life of him to the world. May it be also be a place of refuge where, where we can find protection and safety. Lord, we, we submit it all to you. We can't do anything. We can do nothing in and of ourselves. Apart from you, we can do nothing. Father, we commit ourselves in this place to you. May it be used for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together as we do. I want to just say also, you know, after this prayer, as we always do, we have a place to pray. And, and uh, I am I excited to have a place where we can come and pray. And, and maybe, you know, as God would lead um, from time to time, we'd come and, and kneel um, before the Lord, not before an altar, but before the Lord himself. And, and uh, I, my prayer is that this would be a place where people could always come and pray and find Jesus and, and uh, have, have the, the, the needs that we always have uh, met by him.